All right, let's get into it. Let's go to Psalm 23. And uh, I know you're getting a lot of exercise in this morning, so let's go for it one more time. Let's stand to our feet to read the psalm. We're going to honor what we believe to be is the Word of God, the Bible. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. The way you can get there is it's, it's right in the middle of your Bible. It's right in the middle. Or if you don't have that, um, you can look at the screens in which our wonderful production team has already provided. All right, let's read here. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Last Sunday, we covered verses 1 through 3. So go and check out the podcast there. Uh, the message was entitled, God's Heart for Me. All right, and so we're going to work with verses 4 through 6 uh, this morning. That's what we're going to break down for clarity. Um, here we are. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my haters. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will be in the house of the Lord forever. I heard someone say, thank you. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can have your seats. Thank you so much. All right, iPad, don't fail me now. Man, you know, so I I said about three, no, last week, um, Kyra and I have been back and forth uh, at the tail end of May, uh, back and forth uh, here in Orlando, Florida, seeing about my dad, who was uh, very sick. He was on the brink of actually losing his life. But praise God, now he's in rehab, and he's getting his strength back. So God is good, and we're grateful. And uh, it's funny because uh, he was recovering from surgery. And so my dad's 80 years old. He had me in, when he was 50. And so he was recovering from surgery. And uh, you know he's doing better because he's, he's telling the same old stories that he's always told. How many of your parents, if your parents are here, don't raise your hand, but just give me a nod. Your parents and your grandparents, they just have those same old stories. Well, okay, your parents must not be here. Good. Um, man, the same old just, hey, uh, back in 1953, I was doing this, and this is what happened, and you know, I was messing with this girl, and son, don't do this. And nah, nah, nah. It's just it's great stuff. You've heard it a million times, but you never get tired of hearing these stories. Ultimately, with every story he tells, there's always a principle or, or moral that you can, you can derive from it. And so um, I, I've come to realize uh, with 50 years of wisdom on me, I mean, he has 50 years of wisdom, um, that not much of what he's told me um, has, has failed to be true. It's, it's never really failed to be true, be it something pertaining to finance or, or relationships or, or careers or, or, or whatever, 50 years of wisdom is a lot to glean from. And so what we see here in this psalm is we see a king who was once a teenage boy, and when he was a teenage boy, he was a shepherd. And so um, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He was, he was rejected 
uh, at the age of 15, but God called him and he anointed him. The word anoint means to smear with oil. So this is why he says in part of this psalm that um, my cup runneth over. You anoint me with oil. My cup runneth over. And many scholars and theologians believe that David was in his older years when he wrote Psalm 23. So he was reflecting. He was reflecting. He was he sharing wisdom with the kingdom of Israel. Not just wisdom, but we see therein hope. Hope for we know that Psalm 23, most of us, if you're uh, if you've been a Christian for any time or even if you haven't ever believed in Jesus, you've heard Psalm 23. You may even know it by heart yourself. But it's easily in the top three. It's up there with Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, and uh, God has a hope, a future. And it's up there with John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. They gave his one and only son. It's up there with uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love. For love is patient. Love is kind. We get it tattooed on us, but we really don't know what it means. It's up there in the top four or five. And uh, throughout the millennia, because this, this psalm was written 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. Throughout the millennia, presidents have read the psalm to nations and prisoners have read it murderers right before lethal injection or uh or or the or you know the 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 electric chair they they would get it read to themselves believing that jesus would forgive them for their sins and their wrongdoings the poor have read it the prosperous have read it i myself while my dad was intubated um, after surgery because he never wanted to have a tube in his throat and he wasn't breathing on his own not knowing if he was going to recover from the surgery it was because of his heart um I stayed with him that first night, and I only slept for like an hour and 15 minutes. Every time he moved or, or the machine made a sound, I was up checking on him. And so the Spirit of the Lord just said, hey, read Psalms 23 over him. And his body was freezing cold. So I laid my hand on his head, and I just read Psalm 23 over him because the doctors were saying that he can hear you. He can hear you, and he would even respond with his foot. Or I would say, Dad, open your eyes. He would open his eyes. I just read Psalm 23 over him. Just read it. I've been reading it all week. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Such a loving God. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. The word anoint, the reason you, you, David was anointed with oil is because God was setting him apart to be great. So the anointing makes you unstoppable. And when you receive Jesus, uh, so in the Old Testament, the spirit came upon David. Post Jesus going to heaven, when you give your heart to him, the spirit of God comes on the inside of you. So you're anointed from the inside. You're unstoppable as a father, as a mother as an entrepreneur, just as a person in general, you are unstoppable. So he says, he anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me, and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. I want to bring a message to you entitled, The King's Reflections. The King's Reflections. Psalm 23 is a snippet of the King's Reflections. As it concerns God's leading and his goodness throughout his entire life. 
I love it. We can glean wisdom from someone else's reflection. And, 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 and not to say anything about my older crowd, because I believe you have a lot of years ahead of you, but if you're, if you're 30, 35, 40, 45 and below in here, you notice I keep going up because I want to include everyone into that young category. I believe that your best life is ahead of you as long as you're not self-led. As long as you allow the shepherd of your soul to lead you to green meadows and peaceful streams, you can live the best life possible. So I want to observe three things here. Uh, I've observed three things here that I want to share as it concerns King's, King David's reflections. Number one, we're going to talk about God's protection. He reflected on God's protection. He says here in verse 4, you don't have to bring it up, but he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, in the KJV, that's the shadow of death. It's not the same thing as death. It's near death. We've got to get some context here because, like I said, he's reflecting. Uh, King David dies at the age of 70, so he's somewhere in his mid-60s. As a matter of fact, King David himself said in the psalm that a man's years are but 70 The Bible also says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. I believe King David cut his own life short. So what are you speaking? It's not a part of my message. So Um, let's give you some context about this darkest valley. Number one, he had to face Goliath. And he was at the age of 15. Goliath, many historians believe, was anywhere between 8 to 10 feet tall. He had 150 pounds of armor on him. We all know the story of David and Goliath, right? And what we don't notice, though, in the the drawings and the cartoons, what the cartoons don't show us is right in front of Goliath, there's an armor bearer. There's someone with a shield in front of Goliath. And David is a teenager, 150 pounds soaking wet, and all he has is one stone and a sling. I'm going to do a series on your gift. And, and maximizing what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. You can only do what, what you do have. Facing death with Goliath as well, um, David would find favor in the eyes of God and in the eyes of man because he would go on and kill Goliath, and he would become an intern in the palace under King Saul. King Saul is Israel's first king, but he was unrepentant. So David found favor with King Saul because he killed Goliath, He serves under King Saul, and soon thereafter, King Saul becomes extremely jealous of David's success in his trajectory. And on many different occasions, King Saul attempts to kill King David, and every time, David survives, the darkest valley. And he's running from King Saul for eight years. So I'm anointed king, but I'm living in caves. I'm anointed king, but I'm living in caves. I have a big dream. I have a big vision. I have big aspirations. I believe that my future is going to be a lot brighter than my past, but where I'm currently at right now, I'm in a cave, be it, be it a cave of emotions, be it, be it the key relationships in your life. You're in a cave, right? And, and Philistines and other enemies on top of the eight years that Saul was chasing him, David has, has to deal with other enemies for seven years. So from the age of 15 to the age of 30, David is running for his life. You got to go back and read it. It's 1 Samuel 14 to 2 Kings chapter 1. 
David's life spans just about two books of the Bible. I always said if Jesus was not in the scripture, King David would be my favorite guy. Because when I read David, I read me. When I read David, I read you. The imperfection, the struggles, the inconsistencies, the, 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 the disdain, the, the, the addictions, the own sins. He has to own his own sins later in his life um, before he writes this psalm. David sees Bathsheba, and that's another message as well. But, but read David. Read David. Read David. He says, the darkest valley, and we've all been or will end up in a valley. Maybe you're currently in a valley, a low place. Or maybe you're not. You're either in a valley, you just left one, or you're about to enter one. So wherever you are, God's protection is with you. And so he identifies something here. He talks about the rod. Let's talk about the rod. The rod of discipline. When you're in a valley, God, it's no shame in his game. He will discipline you. Or he'll use a valley as an occasion to discipline you. Because when you're in a valley, it's easy to take things into your own hand. It's easy to make your own decisions to go about your own actions and, and to allow your emotions to lead you as opposed to you leading your emotions, declaring God's promises and God's goodness and God's word and, and causing your emotions to conform to the spirit of God and to the word of God. So he says, I'm in, I'm in a dark valley. God is with me. His rod and his staff comforts me. So a shepherd in biblical times and even today, they had two tools. One was the rod. It was, it was about two or three feet long, would have latched on right here on your belt. The other was the staff, about five and a half, six feet tall, and it had a crook at the end of it. The shepherd would use the staff to pull sheep out of danger. We're going to address that here. I'm kind of going ahead. But he'll use the rod of discipline when you're in a wilderness. The first thing discipline does is this. God wants to, pull it up, EJ, utilize correction when you're in a valley. He'll take a valley experience to correct you. Correction is the act of making something right. So, Lord, I'm in this valley, and my dad is this way, my mom is this way, my money is this way, my life is this way. God Nine times out of ten, he's not going to address the person or the circumstance. God's motive is to correct and to help you get right. This is why daily confession and repentance is so vital. I see my circumstance, I see my situation, but what about me? So God will use a valley, and he'll use his rod in the valley to correct you. Sheep, whenever... Uh, a shepherd's had to go through a valley or or a low plain. Uh, sheep just kind of they do what they want, right? So, and, and and some of them fall out. You know, you have twenty that are faithful to the shepherd. You have three or four or five that are just kind of doing their own thing. The shepherd would leave the twenty that are doing okay, that are flourishing and growing and prospering, and they got the right attitude and the right mindset. And he'll take his club and bam, bam, bam. He, he corrects. 
The second thing the rod of, come on now, you got to get out of my way. The second thing the rod of discipline does is this, it redirects. It's the act of getting us to go or focus in the right direction. You're going the wrong direction. I'm going to help you focus on the right direction. Focus your mind on God's word. Please don't just come in here and sing these songs but not substantiate it, not supplement it with God's word. We're in, we're in here, we're, 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 you've been so, so good to me, so, so good to me. And then, you know, Tuesday comes around and it gets tough. God, you ain't good to me. For someone who knows their word, so, so good to me. Hmm, God is a ever-present God is a help in trouble. God is an ever-present help in trouble. That's in my song. So I'm in trouble, but he's good, and he, but he's good to me. I want to focus on the trouble, but I feel as though he's getting me to focus on his goodness. So I'm going to focus on his goodness. You got to get in that Bible so he'll redirect you. The, the third thing that the rod of discipline does is it, it guides. So the shepherd uses the rod in order to, 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 to lead you. He wants to, to lead you. The act of leading us in the right direction. Who are you led by? Who are you led by? Who have you given your soul to, your mind to? Who have you entrusted your, not just your eternity, it's easy to give God our eternity. But it's tougher to give him our day-to-day. And with the news, millionaires just losing hope, falling by the wayside. We were in the outlets yesterday, and I I saw our name. Seriously? God wants to guide you. Man, I'm having trouble in this relationship. What are you doing in that relationship if you're not married to that individual? My money's looking funny. Have you tithed yet? And put God first with the tithe. And consistently, not just once a year during our November offering. It's coming. (laughs) Y'all do know it's coming. The November offering is coming. But have you consistently trusted God? Because he wants to guide you. So David recognized, man, I'm, you know, Saul, mm, I want to mm, kill him. I want to respond. Oh, 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 I want to respond. Oh, man, the Philistines. Ooh, mm, mm. And he's like, let me guide you. So when you read David, you'll see every instance before David makes a move, he's praying. Because he's allowing God's discipline to align him with the heart of God. Before you apply for the job pray. Before you have the meeting, pray. Before you move to a different city, pray. Before you enter a relationship, pray. Before, before you spend, before you get married, pr- Lord Jesus, you better pray because people got some issues. Get married. Oh my God, I didn't know you had them issues. Jesus. Yeah, well, I, what I did was I put on a facade. I acted like I was somebody that I wasn't. Here I am. 
You better pray. And if you've gotten a divorce or you're on the brink of one, I encourage people. I say, God is a father. He doesn't want you to, to suffer. God can restore you in your second marriage. He wants to guide you. Hebrews 12 says this. I'll do NLT. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And as you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father or mother, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, that means you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly parents who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even the more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. If I don't, if I don't discipline you, I don't care about you. If I don't tell my children, hey, don't run in the road, there's a car. What I'm really looking for is free time. And, and, and you know, a reason to kind of get out of the burden of being a parent. So, oh, there's a car, go ahead. You know, just, no, I'm going to say, hey, don't go there. God does the same thing in the valley. We, we want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. God is trying to give us handles. He's trying to give us handles, and it says this here, no discipline is is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. There's purpose in your pain. I'm not talking about these secular goals of making money, and I'm talking about spiritual discipline. I'm talking about spiritual discipline prosperity because when you're whole in here you get everything out here and when you get everything out here you can just enjoy it all together i'm just i'm you know you got to get whole in here it's a spiritual discipline but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way there's a harvest for discipline harvest uh, god god don't allow if god if you want me right here for the next three years this is where i'm going to be i need to work on my patience i need to work on my love uh, on what's coming out of my mouth lord don't give me another dime until i know how to budget what i got lord just just i'm gonna work my box i'm gonna work my sphere of influence i want to be a leader but you've given me two people i'm gonna lead them to you i'm gonna pour into them i'm gonna encourage them lord just give me this box discipline me here because the end result is a harvest it's a harvest of of joy lord discipline me in my sex life What, what, what you want? Uh, I'm good. I love Jesus. Girl, uh, uh, I'm good. I love Jesus. Discipline me there. 
Paul says that when you sleep with someone, you become one with them. So, so we enter into relationships with more than just us. When God does send the right person, we enter into it with more than just us. This is why it's essential that you maintain your purity. Because when you present yourself to someone that's going to be your spouse, you just want to present you. Discipline me right here. I'm in a valley. Well, the reason I'm disciplining you in the valley is because I want you to come out victorious on a hilltop. You can clap. That's, that's why. I want you to come out victorious in the hilltop. And then he said, the staff is my defense. And this is what David told Saul before he fought Goliath. He said this, First uh, Samuel seventeen thirty four through thirty five. He said, "But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats." He said, "When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, that's his rod and or his staff, and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death." That's what David told Saul before he fought Goliath. He's saying, look, I can fight Goliath. I'll give him the business. I love it. Can I just declare something over you right now? I just, I want to prophesy this. I want to, I want to just speak God's word over you. God is about to strike what's been squeezing you. If you've been squeezed by stress or depression or people or what God is about to strike what's been squeezing you and he's going to do it for the rest of the year until you enter 2019 afresh and anew so have hope god god is about to strike what's been squeezing you we've all been under the shadow of losing our minds in the valley of hopelessness we we've all been there before but god is a keeper and god is a protector and he's never going to allow you to be fully overcome it's God's will and it's God's desire for you to end up on top. He's a protector. He's a protector. He's a protector. Point number two, the king reflects on God's preparation. God's preparation. I was in first grade. Her name was Miss Armstrong. She was awesome. And uh, it was my birthday. So I went to school and uh, I was behaving extremely well. Not for any reason. I've maybe told the story here before, but um, it was just a great day. Um, had our class, had lunch, and then we went outside to recess. And um, at the end of recess, we all line up, and Miss Armstrong puts me in front of the line. She said, Josh has been acting very good today. He's been behaving very well, so you're going to lead us back to the classroom. <laughs> and uh, so I'm walking, you know. Man, I wish I had the pictures, man. I'm walking, and um you know, about five minutes because it's a long walk. We enter into our classroom, and as I'm heading into the classroom, I see purple all over the place, black, yellow. It's ninja posters here and ninja here and ninja here. Now, if you know anything about me, I loved ninjas growing up. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, my get up. My favorite one was Raphael, the one with the forks. Half of y'all is probably Donatello. My, okay, my, I can see that, Andy. <laughs> I definitely can see that. That's awesome. 
Yeah, that's cool. So, um, man, just everything. And the, the, the room was decked out, and the tables had plate mats on them. And right in the middle of the room in the big circle table was this big cake. And it had on it, happy birthday, Josh. And then comes in my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins. And, like, my entire family came to this occasion. And it was amazing. And I got to thinking how I had a lot of haters in the first grade. (laughs) And when I was studying, I'm like, that was me a few years back. No, I won't tell you my age. God prepared a a table for me in the presence of my haters. Yeah. Like, this is what the psalm is saying. This is that God is going to prepare, or he has prepared, a table for you in the presence of chaos. This is what the king is reflecting on. We talked last week about moving pieces. My my dad's sick, and this situation, and this, and that, and this, and and, and ultimately the shepherd has has prepared. What, What did we teach last week? We said that in Israel... It's not common to find green meadows, verse 2, right? It's not common to find green meadows. So a shepherd would have to dig up the rocks, plow the soil, plant the seed, irrigate the seed, and and wait and watch the harvest come. Why? So that that shepherd would go to the flock and, and lead them out of the sheep pen and lead them to green meadows. In the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the desert. This is what God does in the midst of chaos is he prepares a table for you. He prepares abundance for you in the midst of chaos. And so I must do three things in order to step into this abundance. Number one, I must believe that God has prepared something great for me. Today and tomorrow. I must believe Belief is the quintessential of faith, of following Jesus, right? It's, it's more than just Jesus. I give my life to you, and man, I missed hell. You see how much of this room is left? That's, that's life in Jesus. That, so, all right, here's hell. Lord, I give you my soul. Wow, I missed hell. Then many of us, we just, we stand here with the faith to be saved, but not with the faith to believe that he's prepared a table for us in the future. I have a lot of stuff I can be enjoying all over here, just growing in my faith, reading my Bible, walking it out, and coming to find out everything that God says is true. It's a lot of stuff left over there. So, so first thing I have to do is I have to continue to believe, and to believe is to accept something that's true. A theologian, a famous theologian, I think, I think it was A.W. Tozer, I don't have him quoted here, but he said the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. That's the, that's the most vital, single, young, old, teen, elder, married, the most important thing about your life is what you believe about God and who you believe God to be. David understood, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So even in the midst of the chaos, not only is he preparing a table for me and here, the promise is that I'm going to be king. So whatever's facing me today, 
whatever opposition I have today, my destiny is over there. It's to accept something that's true. So when I go and I read this Bible, I have all that I need. That's true. Well, my bank account's in the red, but that may be reality, but this is truth. Truth is more powerful than reality. I just got to be led into it. The second thing I got to do is I have to obey. This means to act in accordance with your belief. To act in accordance with your belief. When, when Jesus was upon the earth, he called people. Did he call them to preach, Chris? To, to hear him preach? Did he call them to, to just sit down? No, he said, follow me. So I must obey. And number three, I must receive. This is to eventually possess what God has prepared for you. Psalm 27 says this, 12 through 13. says, do not let me fall into their hands. This is David again. Now he's in the midst of battle. The Psalms are not chronological, so don't worry about how it happens after 23, but he's really in it. So here it is. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. This is when he was on the run for those 15 years. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land living. I'm confident of it. I'm confident. I'm confident. I believe it. I'm going to face it. I'm not going to be held back. I'm going to obey. I'm going to step out. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to obey. Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Because I believe I'm going to see your goodness while I am here. Not when I die and go to heaven. There's still a lot of goodness here upon the earth. And he says this in Psalm 37, 34. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. There's, you see that? You guys read this way. So there's this. Put your hope in him, believe. Travel steadily along his path, obey. You will inherit the land. Bless me. I posted a proverb, um, I think the other day. It, 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 in that proverb, I think it's 22.4, and it says, um, Humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Riches, I'm down for that. Honor, I'm down for that. And long life. Humility and fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to not be afraid of him but it's to recognize that he is my shepherd. He is the head of my life. Jesus is my master. He is my king. He is, the, he is my coach. He is my mentor. He is my guidance. He, he, he is, he is my, my beginning and my end. He's my everything. He's my everything. I'm, I'm, this summer, man, I'm in teaching mode. I'm slowing it down because I really want y'all to get it. I've grown, I've grown past y'all responding and, clap. you know, the claps are great because you should affirm that in your own heart. Please keep clapping. It, it feeds me. But I really want to see you live in victory 
as you walk in Christ and as you step out on your faith. That's what I want to see. So that's why I'm slowing down because um, there's so much power in this word. Did I say this last week? Yeah, I said it. I'm going to say it again. I I almost posted on on Instagram, and it's still saved in my phone. I'm I'm finishing in five minutes. Don't come up here. I'll let you know. Uh, It's still saved in my phone, an Insta story. I I, I tell everyone how how, um, um, there's this book. And, and on the first story, I say, all you got to do is open it. Then I say, well, you know what? It's actually more to that. You got to actually read it. 1,500 years, 40 different authors, no errors. Same spirit. This is the only book that when you read it, it reads you. And not do you just read it, Mom? You, you got to apply it. That, that, that's, and, 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 and so God has also been dealing with me about our fire and our passion. For, for those of you who have been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you know. You start out, woo, Jesus, everything. Uh, six months later, I might go to church. I might read it. She laughing because it's true. That's the kind of response I'm looking for. I don't need a clap. I'll read it eventually. It's just gathering dust. This is why I love David too. There is a time when David's own men wanted to kill him. Because he led him on a journey and the enemy camp came and stole their kids and their wives and all. They got everything. And so David returned. They, they won that battle. David returned to the homeland. And, and his, his men wanted to kill him. And the Bible says that, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. So there's something about my faith where I can't expect heaven to open up and zap me with encouragement. I'm about to start preaching. I got to get up Monday. I got to get up Tuesday. I got to get up Wednesday. I got to get up Thursday. I got to get up Friday. And I got to encourage myself in the Lord. God is good. He has prepared something for me. He is protecting me. His word is true. I got to get up and encourage myself in the Lord. I don't need a man walking me and taking me by the hand and mentoring me and showing me what the Bible means. And I don't need, I need my pastor to pray for me. Your pastor got the same spirit you got on the inside of you. If you don't get this Bible and let God talk to you and let God set you free and let God give you visions and let God give you dreams, you don't need a man to walk with you. You don't need it. Same spirit. He's prepared something for you. I, I can't walk you into that. I'm, I'm an under shepherd. He is your shepherd. I serve him. Leading, I can't do it. You can do it for yourself. Come on, close us out. Third thing he deals with is God's pursuit. God's pursuit. Since 19, y'all, just 12 years into this Jesus thing, it gets better and better. It gets better. I can't wait to get out of here and read my Bible tonight. 
Can't wait to get Monday on it, Tuesday on it, Wednesday on it, and it's about consistency because he's prepared something for us. God's pursuit. Chris, come on over here. Um, Logan, come up, please. You're fine. Good. So it says that he's prepared. Thanks, man. Give it up for these guys. These guys are amazing. Love these guys. Thank you. It said that he pursues me, his, his unfailing love and his goodness. And KJV, it says his, his mercy pursues me. So simply, you guys just all want me to love like that. That's simple, right? So, you know, we go throughout our weeks and just, you know, it was a tough week. Made some bad decisions. Did that thing again. Didn't pray, didn't read my Bible. (sighs) Life's tough. Me and my mom, me and my dad, not talking. Gotta go back to work Monday. Got a big test. Tuesday. Goodness? Unfailing love? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you know, got a, <clears throat> had a great week. Made it to church. Made a few right decisions. Starting to budget. About $25 in my savings. It's going to take a long time to get to where I want to go, but I'm saving. Goodness? Unfailing love? (laughs) I'm in my 30s. I'm divorced. I'm struggling. Going through the toughest season of my life. Just want to give up. Goodness and unfailing love. Wherever you go, whatever you've done, wherever you are, goodness and unfailing love pursue you. The word for goodness here is mercy. It means to not receive what you should receive. It's God's goodness. Unfailing love means to receive what you don't deserve. And it's pursuing you all the days of your life. Thank you, guys. I love you. Love you, man. Thank you. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you this morning. We, we give you praise and honor. We give you glory. And right now what I want to do is I want to extend salvation. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, God loves you. He sent the son on a cross to die for you for the forgiveness of sin. 
God has prepared an amazing future for you. And he loves you. And his goodness and his love and his grace and his favor pursues you. With every head bowed, church, I need you to be praying, interceding. I want to extend this invitation for salvation, for new life. The Bible declares that all those that are in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. So on the count of three, you raise that hand. God wants to lead you to green meadows, pleasant streams. He wants your cup to overflow. And today is your day. On the count of three, don't let Satan talk you out of it. This is not about religion. This is not about Highlight Church, Pastor Josh. This is about you, Jesus, and your destiny. On the count of three, just raise that hand. One, two, three. Raise it high. Raise it high. This is your first time coming to Christ or you're coming back to Jesus. God bless you. I'll give it 30 more seconds. God bless you. Hallelujah. Salvation is reigning in this place. Let's celebrate, church. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah means highest praise. So just kind of let you in on that. Hey, let's pray together with these sons and daughters that gave their lives to Christ today. Let's, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Lord God, I love you. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are the son of God. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Fill me in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.